Welcome to Sun River Church. How are we doing? Good? Did you notice before we started, if you were in here early enough, you should always get here early enough because fun things happen. Our junior high section over here is all girls. Welcome, junior high girls. They came, one of the girls came up to give a high five to all the band members before and dropped her lip gloss. And so she was nervous the whole time watching it, hoping that it didn't get stepped on. You can come get it. I'm going to, no, no, I'm going to make you come up here and get it. Give her a hand. (laughs) She was super excited to do that. Grab your Bibles. Go to 1 John. We are hammering through verse by verse. 1 John, five chapters, we're over halfway through. I just want to let you know, at the end of the month, October 31st, is a special Sunday. We're not asking you to come dressed in a silly disguise, but it is a family Sunday, and so we're allowing the children elementary into our service in here at 1030. We just want to let you know about it. We have preschool and um, nursery open, but the elementary families, we're encouraging families to learn to worship together in church, and so that is on October 31st. I also want to let you know that in front of you are our prayer and comment cards. I want to encourage you, if you have a prayer request or you need something, you can do it on the app. Those of you who are viewing at home, welcome. You can use the app as a, a prayer card. We would love to intercede for you and pray. And if you're filling out a card that's in front of you, you can drop that in the black boxes as you're exiting the sanctuary. Uh, Prayer and God's word are imperative parts of Sun River Church. And before we open his word, I just want to pause and take a few minutes to pray. Our hope In constant prayer for you, whether you are here for the first time today or you've been here for more than 30 years, is that you will find community, that you will scratch below the surface of just one hour a week and you'll get into relationships. We want you to belong here in community. The church is not a building, and we're learning this from the book of 1 John, that this word koinonia, fellowship, is the heart of our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And so we want you to belong. We want to do life with you as you're going through the highs of celebrating what God is doing in your life, and we want to carry your burdens with you. At Sun River, we are not playing church. Relationships can be hard. Relationships can be burdensome at times, but it's imperative. It's important to us. So we're going to pause and pray. Many of you know Shane Scott. His mom has been struggling with breathing issues, COPD, and she's in the hospital. I just want to, I talked to him this morning. I want to lift him up and his mom in prayer. Vern McKinney has uh, been dealing with pain as he's battling cancer, and uh, he was admitted to the hospital. Um, Heidi talked to Rhonda this morning. We were talking to them last night. We want to pray for him. And I know some of you are coming in with burdens. Some of you are coming in with uh, anxiety or struggle or hardship. And we're glad that you're here. 
We want you to belong. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we pause before we open your word and we acknowledge that you are the one true God. Now we're praying to you out of obedience, Lord, as we corporately gather here together today. And we're lifting up our brothers and sisters to you. Because we realize, God, that your will, your desire, will happen on heaven as it is in earth. We're praying to you, God, because you're sovereign in healing. You are sovereign in comforting. And so, Lord, I just pray for Shane. I pray for his mom. I pray for Amy. Will you comfort them? If it be your will, Lord, will you heal his mom to the point where she can come home? As Shane is leading his family, will you touch him with your spirit? Will you strengthen his faith in you? Lord, it's when we go through hard times that you strengthen us. Lord, will you take Vern's pain away from his body? We know that you are Rapha, your name in the Old Testament, Rapha, the God that heals. And so will you heal his body? Be with others who we love dearly who are battling sickness and cancer, those who aren't able to make it today. Lord, those who are struggling with anxiety and fear in a culture right now that is just dictated by fear. Your love, God, drives out fear. May we be a church who knows you, knows your word, trusts your word, and walks in a manner worthy. Lead us to be light in a dark world and to fulfill your calling and mission for us in helping people find and follow. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. The gospel is God rescues people from sin and death. God rescues. That is my simple definition of the gospel. There are a lot of principles and variables and biblical truths that support that, that Jesus came, took yours and my place on the cross, and that when we repent and turn to him, we turn from our sin, he forgives us and rescues us from our greatest need, which is not hunger, which is not food or Shelter or clothing or physical things, but a spiritual thing that dictates eternity. He rescues from, he transforms us. As we have been moving through the book of 1 John, we've been learning about the imperative principle of relationships in the body of Christ. Koinonia. We were not meant to follow God or Jesus alone. We were created for a relationship with him and a relationship with each other. And again, as we review First John real quickly, we learn that he kind of just keeps looping around at the same things over and over and over again. Today, the main point of First John Four, chapter one through six, if you have your Bibles and go. He's gonna remind us that true followers of Jesus 
will avoid false teachers. He's already talked about this in chapter 2. He's coming back to it again. True followers of Jesus will avoid false teachers and will proclaim the truth of Jesus as the risen Lord and Savior. He's going to call out false teachers. False teachers who say, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus plus. Jesus plus something else. That's, that's what you need to be whole. That's what you need to find satisfaction. Jesus is great. Yeah, yeah he's just a great teacher. He's a good guy. I mean, he did crazy, amazing things. And, and you need Jesus, but you also need money. You need prosperity. Jesus plus prosperity. That is a false gospel taught by false teachers. Well, you need health. Jesus plus health, health and healing. That'll satisfy. Jesus plus good works. Oh, the, the false teachers are good at this one. Jesus plus special knowledge. Special revelation outside of the Bible, outside of Jesus' own words. Oftentimes, the false teacher is esoteric. You listen to him, you're like, wow. Wow. That's deep. But you really have no idea what was said. And if you're hearing my words and thinking that right now, oh no. (laughs) Oftentimes the false teacher on the very simple things of Jesus will say, that's incomprehensible, that's too basic. You gotta have deeper secret knowledge. Listen, calling out false teachers and identifying them is not fun and it is not popular. I've been wrestling over this scripture just like I did in chapter two all week long. It is not fun and it is not popular. It's not how you build a church packed full of people because our culture, especially the evangelical culture in the West is driven by, I know it's gonna be hard to believe, false teachers. It is, however, Necessary. John makes that clear. And it is biblical. John makes that very clear. It is a huge issue. The Bible talks about false teachers over and over and over and warns true followers of Jesus to be on guard. Matthew 24 says that they will mislead many. Matthew 24, false Christs, false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, the elect. It doesn't mean that they will lead them out of salvation. You can't lose your salvation. But think about it for a second. The false teacher, the deceiver, wants to keep people from Jesus, from salvation, 
1 Timothy 4, the Spirit explicitly says that in last times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrine of demons. That's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says it again. The time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and turn away their ears from the truth. And they will turn aside into myths. Listen, the false teacher doesn't ever identify himself or herself as a false teacher. They believe they're speaking the truth and they are sincere about the things that they're speaking to. But those things do not line up with what God says in his authoritative word. They've come to new revelation, new knowledge, new information about Jesus and they're deceiving. This has been an issue in the bride of Jesus Christ, the church from the very beginning of time. In 2013, pastor and Christian rapper Shylin stirred quite a controversy in his song entitled False Teachers. It was a critique of the prosperity gospel. And in it, he does the unthinkable, the unacceptable in our culture of tolerance and non-critical spirit. He names names. Shock and awe. He talks and raps about false teachers in regards to the prosperity gospel and names names. Shylin calls on Christians not to be deceived by these wolves in sheep's clothing who are exporting these heresies all around the world through the church. These are his words. He says, turn off TBN, that channel is overrated. The pastors speak bogus statements financially motivated. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme. Visualize heretics Christianizing the American dream. It's foul, it's deceitful. They're lying to people, teaching that camels squeeze through the eye of a needle. And you're thinking, they're not the dangerous type because some of their statements are right. That only proves Satan comes as an angel of light. This teaching can't be believed without a cost. The lie is you can achieve a crown without a cost or without the cross. Tell me, would you teach? Tell me, who would teach you to pursue as a goal the very thing the Bible says will ruin your soul? Yet they're encouraging the love of money. To make it worse, they've exported this garbage into other countries. 
He goes on to say, my heart in the song, my heart breaks even now as I'm rhyming. You want to know what all false teachers have in common. It's called selfism, the fastest growing religion, just dressed up and called it Christian. Don't be deceived by this funny biz. If you come to Jesus for money, he's not your God. Money is. Jesus is not a means to the end. The gospel is he came to redeem us from sin. And that's the message forever I'll yell if you're living your best, night, your best day now, you're headed for hell. And then he names names. I'm not going to do that. But the apostle John makes it very clear in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. If you haven't opened your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go there. He makes it very clear as he repeats the words he wrote in second, in, in chapter 2, verses 18, that there is a specific contrast between true teachers, true prophets, and false prophets. True, the true Christ and anti-Christ, those who are against Christ. Six times in these verses, he uses the word from God. And six times he uses the phrase, the world. He delineates the difference between those who are from God and those who are from the world. And those who are from the world have worked their way into the church. Listen. The church, Sun River Church, the universal church, the greatest dangers are not from the outside, but from the inside. So we have to understand what the apostle is trying to teach when he uses these words, test the spirit. And so I've put the outline into exam form because I know some of you, especially our youth, love exams. There are five questions in the outline today. Five exam questions. And the result to the answer of these questions has eternal significance. The first question are you believing false teachers? Verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. One of the first times we took youth to Mexico, I remember coming out, coming back, out of Mexico, back into Brooke. Why are you laughing about this story? You don't even know what story I'm saying. She was probably on this trip. And all the kids were so excited to buy Fakely's. Fake Oakley sunglasses. You know, when Oakley's first came out, they're a couple hundred bucks a pop. Well, you could get fake Oakley's for five bucks. They had 10 or 15 pairs of fake Oakley's to come back and sell for a hundred bucks. 
There's a lot of fake things in the world. Can't imagine if I would have bought Heidi for our engagement a fake ring, fake diamond. She would have been able to tell right away. Test the spirits. John issues a command right out of the gate. A command with first a negative statement and then a positive statement. Do not believe every spirit, but test them. Test. Dakimezo is the Greek word. This word, very unique, means to examine, to prove, but it takes on the form of scrutinizing, dissecting, test the spirits, examine under critical thinking to determine whether it's real. Test the spirits. This word spirit is pneuma, which basically means breath or wind. It's also used to describe an immaterial, non-physical nature, either divine, angelic, or human. It's intention behind what you can see. Test the spirits. Don't be gullible. Just because somebody says they believe in God or they're a follower of Jesus, test it. Examine their life. Examine their words. Scrutinize. Don't believe everything you hear. Look before you leap. Don't just look at the outward. Learn to discern the spiritual reality. Do you notice he says many false prophets? Many. Don't go by how large the crowd that follows that prophet or teacher. Don't be impressed by titles and degrees and letters after their name. Don't be enamored by how nice they dress or eloquent their voice is. I don't have to worry about that one. Thank you very much. Leah this past week was editing last week's sermon and I walked by and I said, would you please mute that? I can't stand to listen to myself. She laughed. You ever feel weird listening to yourself? I just, I hate the way I sound. You don't have to agree with me, but. (laughs) Our standard is God's word. Not what's on the outside. God's word, the, the truth of the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, the essence of that truth, the historical orthodox facts behind that truth that support it. Luke describes this as noble-minded. Our world is going to describe this as narrow-minded. 
Luke describes it by saying, now these people, the Bereans, were noble-minded, for they received the word with great eagerness, but then examined the scriptures to see whether it was so. They wanted to see if it was true. I do my my expositional study out of the ESV, and I preach, as many of you know, from the English Standard Version. My personal devotion time, my personal time with God, because it's a little easier to read, I use the New Living Translation. I typically do not read the Massage, also known as the Message, but every once in a while, I come across, and you know, I always joke around, if you want to be saved, you read the ESV, if you want your soul massage, you read Eugene Patterson's massage message. I'm kidding. But as I looked at this question, are you believing false teachers? And I think of 2 Timothy, and I was studying 2 Timothy 4. I like Eugene Patterson's paraphrase. He says, you're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for sound teaching, but will fill up their spirit by spiritual junk food, catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. It seems like that is the norm today in a lot of churches. Pastors today will, and I'm going to say this very specifically because I just want you to know, I'm not judging other churches. I'm discerning, but this is personal to me. So I need to frame this so we can move on. It seems like there's this push for pastors and churches to entertain their audience That's not what we're doing. It's not what we want to do. That's not our intention. I don't look at you as an audience. I look at you. We, our leaders, our elders, our pastors, look at you as our congregation. We are not here to entertain you as our audience. We want to minister. We want to shepherd. We want to feed Timothy and Titus. Protect, lead, spank, stubborn sheep, and shoot the wolves. I've been in full-time ministry for nearly 30 years. It's not very long compared to Jim Boyd. But I think he would agree that there is, over the last 25 years, been a dumbing down of historical Christianity into a misrepresentation of true faith and this desire to keep people feeling good so that they keep coming back and tithing. Not here. Today, just like in the first century, we need to learn to test the spirit to see whether they are from God, which leads to the second question found in verse 2. Can you discern a false teacher? 
By this, we, gnosko is the Greek word. We've talked a lot about this. Knowledge that is learned, that is in line with reality outside of intuition or feeling. By this, you, gnosko, the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses, notice the word confesses, is in the present tense, which means it is not just a one-time confession, but a continual confession. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. True teachers will hold to the right Jesus. They won't redefine who Jesus is or what he did and how it's recorded in scripture. It's not a different Jesus, the full Jesus, the full gospel. They will accept him as the incarnate man sent by God the Father, empowered by the spirit of God. They will believe in the virgin birth. They will believe that he is sinless. They believe in the hypostatic union, 100% God, 100% man. The sinlessness of Christ. They believe in his atoning death, his glorious resurrection from the dead. They will believe that he is the only way to heaven, to salvation. That there is no other way a person is saved except through Jesus Christ. They will not waver from that. They will not justify it. They accept him as the only Lord and only Savior. Right teaching concerning Jesus is the litmus test of the teacher and the church. Does the person confess Jesus incarnate, God in the flesh? Do they believe Jesus is the eternal son of God? Do they profess personal faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord? Do they point others to the same Jesus? Does their life match what they say? Do they preach or teach Jesus as the center? Or is their audience the center? Or are they the center? John couldn't be clear. Authentic teachers and followers of Jesus who are motivated by the spiritual truth of who Jesus is confess their faith in Jesus. This confession is wholehearted, whole life. In its fullest sense, the word confess Halamalagao, in the full sense of that word. It means that the person in that confession concedes not just something factual. This is important to understand when he says they confess Jesus. It's not just factual. It conveys a profession of total allegiance and surrender. They surrender to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Question number three, do you? 
confess the true Jesus. Not Jesus plus. Do you confess the true Jesus? Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, anti-against Christ. That's what the word means. Which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Do you confess the true Jesus? Not Jesus plus. The, the false teacher is very subtle. Very subtle in shifting the gears. Let me tell you a common one that I was raised with in the culture that I grew up in, which was a very legalistic culture. Do you want to die when you go to heaven? Yes. Then ask Jesus into your heart. There was no explanation that you get Jesus. Jesus was a byproduct. I just wanted to go to heaven when I died. That's Jesus plus. You see, you don't get heaven, you get Jesus. There's nothing greater. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. And I heard Vern saying amen too at home if he's watching or at the hospital. You confess the true Jesus, the full gospel. Theologian Simon Kistemacher says it this way, and I I couldn't put it better. So in regards to verse 3, he says, Without exception, the Jesus plus theologian refuses to accept the biblical doctrine that Jesus always has been and always will be the son of God. He came from heaven to redeem his people and he took it upon himself to enter humanity. But he remained divine. He rose bodily resurrection from the dead and ascended in his glorified body to heaven. And he will return at God's appointed day in the same body and will ascend. This is the Jesus we proclaim. He conquered sin and death. And he's returning again to redeem those who believe in him, the true him. One pastor illustrates this confessing Jesus this way, and he uses it, this illustration, as the, to illustrate the danger of drifting from this solid foundation of Jesus Christ. He said, once there was an old church in England, a sign hung outside the building, and it read, we preach Christ crucified. After time, Ivy grew up and obscured the last word, so it said, we preach Christ Ivy grew more and more, and the motto then read, we preach. Finally, Ivy covered the entire sign, and the church died. Such is the fate of any church that fails to carry the whole mission of God into the world. We confess the true Jesus. Is the Spirit of God Question number four, in you. It's a tricky question. I know I've wrestled with this. I know you probably have wrestled with it. 
We talked about this last week, that God is greater than your guilt. He comes back to this. And the question is, is the spirit of God in you, if you've been saved and you believe in the true Jesus, God gives you his spirit. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them, them being false teachers and their deceptions. You are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Satan is on a leash. He doesn't get to do whatever he wants. And the God that is in you because of your profession of faith by the promises of him is greater than he that is in the world. John Piper puts this verse this way. Christians, the Christians to which John is writing have conquered false prophets. They have conquered them in what they stand in. They have not been swayed by, their, by false teachers' deception. The false teachers have attacked them with various views of Christ and have stood firm. They've not yielded. They have conquered. They have remained orthodox and loyal to the Son of God. How? How did they conquer? The enemy is not merely human. Satan himself, the God of this age, empowers false prophets and he is extraordinarily, extraordinarily subtle and deceptive. How did they conquer? They did not with their own intelligence or their own strength. John says they conquered because he who is in them is greater than he who is in the world. In other words, they conquered by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than the satanic forces of deception and blindness. Every believer owes his faith to the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. If we stand with Christ, listening and confessing loyalty, it is because the Holy Spirit is greater than all other forces in the world and has made us to conquer the blindness and the hardness of even our own hearts, the enemy cannot win. Greater is he that is in you. The Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have professed your life to him, you receive the gift of God's spirit in you. This isn't something you do, it's what he does through you. And then he asks one final question on the exam. I rephrased this question in your notes. So it's not necessarily a true or false. But if I was to phrase it yes or no, it would read, do false teachers agree with your beliefs? Who agrees with your beliefs about the Bible and Jesus? False Pastors and teachers have all the marks of people who are of the world. They speak from the world and the world listens to them. H.A. Ironside explains the world, the cosmos, like this. We've talked about this in the past. A system that man has built up 
with man's logic, man's understanding, which is trying to make himself happy without God or without the Bible. They, verse 5, are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We, do you notice the shift? They shifts to, but we, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of darkness. By what? By who's listening to us? Who's agreeing? They, the world, they're captivated by the deceptions that are natural to their sinful hearts. They, not we, they are academics. They're worldly. They're into science. They're into culture and politics and philosophy. Christians can be into all those things, but God's word dictates how they view those things. They, the world, reverses that. They view those things opposite of God's word. And their worldly hearers are eager to follow their lies without question. When a Christian speaks against this, what happens? I'll tell you. Maybe you've experienced this. I have. When we speak against these worldly philosophies, these unsound doctrines that defame and decharacterize the Jesus that rescued us from sin and death, do you know what we're told? We're called bigots. We're called uh, deceivers. We're called foolish, arrogant, narrow-minded, mean-spirited, hateful, dangerous. Do false teachers agree with your beliefs? Not if your beliefs are in line with what God's word says. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Five questions. Five questions that we all have to wrestle with. Five questions that we can find the answers to in God's word. Preparing for the exam takes two significant, non-negotiable steps that we all have to embrace. We have to prepare for these questions. We have to study the truth so that when the questions come up, we know the answer. I've shared this story in the past. I had a friend who went to Sac State years and years ago. He had a big midterm exam coming up, and he didn't study. I know nobody else has ever done that. I certainly haven't. He didn't study. He was doomed. He knew he was going to fail the midterm because he didn't put in the time to read and to memorize and to study the material that was given to him. He comes into the class. It was packed. He sits down. There was a substitute teacher, hands out the paper, the exam sheet, he reads the first question, has no idea what the answer is. He knows he's doomed. The substitute teacher, he says, was deaf. 
couldn't hear. And all of a sudden, somebody in the back of the room goes, what'd you get from number one? Somebody in the front of the room goes, B! The teacher's just sitting there, the substitute, just reading her stuff. He said that whole test, somebody in the back of the room was asking for the questions while somebody in the front of the room was giving the answer. I asked him, did you, did you pass? He's like, no, the answers were all wrong. It was all farce. I learned that later, <laughs> by the way. Two steps. Number one, you got to grip your own Bible. I know it sounds elementary. I know it sounds silly to a certain degree. But if you're not touching God's word on a daily basis and filtering the word of God, which is sharper than any double-edged sword, which is inspired by God, which is what we claim here at Sun River and across the world for all history, the Orthodox Church has said God's word, the canon is closed and it is inspired by God and it is the measure on how we live life. Don't take my word for it. Read for yourself and be in community and grow like we're doing in our community groups in your knowledge and understanding of who God is. And as you grip your Bible, you will, number two, get a grip. If you're really studying, you're going to get a grip on sound doctrine so that when fake comes along, you're not fooled. In my personal devotion, I've been spending time in Psalm 119. We don't know the author of Psalm 119. A lot of scholars believe it's David. I've started lining in a smaller camp that believe it was Daniel. Because Psalm 119 is all about leading in crisis, and there's a lot of parallels. And again, I'm not going to state that as orthodox. This is just my opinion in regards to who wrote it. But here's what I know about Psalm 119. It is all about God's word. It reminds me that God's word is what's true. It reminds me that God's word demands what is right. It reminds me that God provides what is good. So that Ephesians 4, I'm not carried along like a child, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by winds of doctrine and human Cunning. God's word is pure. It's perfect. It leads us in the paths of righteousness. God's word protects us from deception. God's word protects us from sin. God's word feeds our souls and leads us to life. And so as we close... I want to invite you to stand for the public reading of God's word. This, this morning, these five questions through these words are God's voice to you and I. 1 John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, 
You know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are not of the world, from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. For this we know, by this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Lord, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word to us this morning. May we have clarity and discernment to walk, not just talk, but to walk in truth and love. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.